Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Black woman. Beautiful, powerful, resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So... We created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Johnny. How's your week been? I feel like I have been working like a Hebrew slave this week because I have been on call for 10 days straight. And I have had to deal with a patient that's been extremely complicated. And I've been back and forth to the hospital literally every single night while I've been on call. Plus getting calls every two hours on this one patient. So um, it's been... um. It's been a week. I'm tired, boss. It's tired. <laughs> I felt sorry for you. Not because I didn't think that you could handle it, but because I was like, I felt like you were getting maybe one or two hours of sleep this week. I just was like, I don't know how she's doing it. Like, I <laughs> I would see your text in the middle of the night and then I'm like, oh, okay, well, when I talk to her in the morning, she'll be, you know, nice and well rested. But you would already be at the hospital. I mean, you were wearing a cape this week. That's because my Busta co-workers decided they wanted to go out of town on spring break or take vacation on the same week and our director allowed them to do that <laughs> wow. they said oh okay you know we want to we're going to let like three people off at the same time in this call pool and just have two people cover like six different sites so yeah it was rough it was rough and if you're listening that's not a that's not a jab at you but it this is how i felt this week just saying yeah it it seemed like a lot from the outside looking in i just was like but as usual you stepped up to the plate and knocked it out of the park. Won't he do it? I mean, I just was, you know, juggling two different, three different clinics a day. <laughs> it was bad. I felt um, like I you spent a lot of time like, in the car, too. Like, I felt yes. like you were constantly in the car running back and forth, too. Did it, it feel like that to you? Constant driving. Like, Houston is big. I was driving around and I was thinking to myself, why do I live here? This is too big. Even if I were working that much, going back and forth to the hospital, it wouldn't be that big of a deal if I wasn't driving almost an hour back and forth to the hospital. And I was thinking to myself, self, how long are you going to do this? Self, when are you, when are you going to start, start to like to step out on faith? Do something different. We shall see. <laughs> I, I, 
at least I have a job. I'm not going to complain. Yes. I have a job. There are a lot of people during this pandemic that don't have one. So I will not complain. So as you know, I have a show that is happening this coming Thursday, which by the time this episode airs, it would have been last Thursday. So I have literally been in the trenches of producing that show and getting contracts negotiated. And I did a little happy dance on Friday because my last contract came in and I was like, yes, the show is done. Now all I have to do is wait for the production and hopefully it'll be all together and I can breathe a sigh of relief until my next show, which is very shortly thereafter. So yeah, I was working crazy too. Mine was a lot less stressful than yours because the line of work that I'm in, no one dies if I screw up. Produced a whole show. Y'all hear this, <laughs> listeners? She's producing shows. Oh my God. I'm just, you know, while she's talking, I'm just like, okay, when is our, when is Oh That's Deep, the TV show coming out? Just say it. Well, your hey, hey, one second though, your lips to God's ears. Don't talk too loud; it might happen. Listen, I'm screaming it to Jesus. Hey, hey, produce our show. Let her produce it. But in the meantime, I will produce my digital events, and I'll. We are going to. You and I are going to produce a digital event for us. So don't worry. Don't worry. We got well, it. Well, you know, digital events is not my. I can give you the ideas. <laughs> I can give you the content. But uh, putting that stuff together, like my idea of creating. Creativity is me doing a post. Like, I'm like, this is something that I produce. I produce this little post, this flyer that I'm going to put on, on social media and let the world see. I'm like, yay to me. I produced a post. But you're so That's good at that, Nicole. You, Girl, you have please. been cup. You have become Girl. very, very good at it. I must give you your props. You've become very good at that. That is the extent of my productivity in terms of media. Okay. <laughs> that's it. Well, that's why we work so well together. You keep us alive and I can keep people knowing who we are. All so, right, Janine. So what's on your timeline? Hold on one second, though. Did you see? Well, you haven't seen it, but Genius with Cynthia Erivo. So we got past to view it at the beginning, you know, and of course I was super busy and missed it. I feel really bad, but I'm what? super excited. Genius, the Aretha Franklin movie. On You that. got a pass to view it and you missed it? I missed it. I know. I was producing the show, <laughs> but I'm going to watch it. It comes on tonight and I'm going to watch it. I know that you're super busy, but you should watch it because the family, this is why I'm super excited to think about, to watch this because the family says that they don't agree with it, but all of the critics are saying that it's like super accurate and dead on. So watch it if you get a chance. It's on, it's on but National what do the Geographic. Critics know? Well, the critics have probably worked with her before or, ha you know, seen previous documentaries or whatever. So I don't know if it's super accurate. If it's, here's the thing. I do know that Queen Aretha Franklin, God rest her soul, was a handful, right? And she was But that's why she was the queen. <laughs> and you know what I say, if you these like little bitty timid girls, they're not winning. Like you gotta toughen up, put your big girl draws on every once in a while and get out there and boss up. Right. But she and also had a PR did. machine, right? So the stories of, you know, the you know, whether they're terror stories or good stories or personal stories, her PR machine kept that really close, right? So we never really heard these crazy stories about Aretha Franklin. And in the era that, you know, she was at her prime, there was no social media. So that also helped. So this is supposed to give us a little bit more of an inside scoop. So I kind of want to see it. Well, I don't... It's 
the critics agree. You don't, that's like somebody that works with you a couple of times, Janine, <laughs> saying that this is how Janine really is. And then Ken saying that that's not how she really was. And we're supposed to believe the person that works with you every once in a while over your husband. Get no. out of here. Well, we shall see. I'm interested to see. I think that it'll be. I'm going to be real pissed off if they these people come for this woman, this late woman. Yeah. If they come and try to slander her reputation, I'm going to be upset about that. I don't think they're going to slander her. I think that it's just supposed to give a more accurate portrayal of what she was like. Hopefully. It better be positive. And if it's it not, then we will drag Nat Geo. We will drag them. I mean, as a culture, hmm. not us personally, but, you know, as a culture, you know, we'll, we'll cancel people quickly, Nicole. But I just am interested to see. We hope we can watch it and we hope that it's amazing. Well, my thing is, why did they not put it out when she was alive? They Were they afraid they were going to get dragged in? You wait until somebody passes away and then you try to say, oh, these are all the bad things that, about them. And this is how their, what their real personality was. And they were a pill to swallow. But you didn't want to swallow that pill while they were alive? Get out <laughs> yeah. of here. I wouldn't have gone up against Queen Aretha either because, no, you're right. You're right. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe it's not slander. Maybe it's actually, you know, positive stuff. We'll see. I hope so. I'm going to I'm gonna pause and give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to pause. Let's just see. Okay. And we like Cynthia Erivo. She's great. So hopefully she does okay. it justice. So we'll hopefully. see. All right, Janine. Now, <laughs> what's on your timeline? Okay, so you know that we literally just talked about Cardi maybe a couple episodes ago when we did our Snatched episode about plastic surgery. Well, this time Cardi is on our timeline. Cardi's been on our timeline a couple of times, but this time Cardi's on our timeline for a little bit of a different reason. She is now in this like hot feud against Candace Owens. It's very odd. So I had to do a little bit of research and I thought that this, you know, recent feud with Candace Owens was something that was new. But apparently they've been going back and forth since like 2019. So let me go back. Candace Owens, for those of us who don't know, she is a super conservative political commentator and like activist, right? So basically she's like cousins to Stacey Dash. She is probably the least African-American friendly African-American that we know. That was a big insult to Stacey Dash. Let me just say that. I mean, Stacey Dash is not riding out for the African-Americans either. I mean, now yeah, she but like, is. Candace Owens is like a 10 in terms of like, like how Republican and extreme she is. And, and Stacey Stacey's Dash like an 8.5. Like, no, she's like a three. Uh, no. Now she might be. Now that she, now that Stacey Dash has realized post-Trump administration, the error in her ways, she might be a three. But prior to that, she was about an 8.5. No? I'm not going to give you that. No. I'd never heard her at any like pro-Trump rallies saying the kind of things that Candace Owens says. That's because no one was giving her a microphone after she started being an idiot. But we well, Candace created her own mic. She was irrelevant. Yeah, you're right. You are absolutely correct. Candace did carve out a lane for herself. I mean, I don't know why she carved out this lane, but whatever. So let's go back. She is a Trump supporting, self-proclaimed anti-feminist. Like she's just a woman of a different kind. And for those who don't know, she's African-American. Okay. Now that we have all of this out there, here's what's going on. So she's in the news trending because she is suing Cardi B for slander. This comes after Cardi posts what Candace claims to be a doctor tweet about Candace's husband cheating on her with her brother. But that's not where it started. Like I said, this feud has been going on between these two since 2019. And it seems that it originally started when Cardi expressed her support for Bernie Sanders. And it seems that Candace 
you know, took it upon herself to attack Cardi. So over the years, she's continually expressed her displeasure and disappointment in Cardi's open display of her sexuality. She said that what Cardi does is not feminism and somehow it's tearing down our culture. Most recently, she was slamming Cardi's Grammy performance. She said that the Grammy performance should not have been on television. It belonged on Pornhub. It should not been on CBS. And there was a time where you could watch the Grammys with your children and And now the Grammys are perpetuating this nonsense and, you know, hiding it under the guise of feminism. She said that the performance and similar performances being labeled as feminism is the cause of the destruction of American values. So the American values, you ask, what American values is Candace referring to? So I did a little digging a couple of months ago when Candace was still very much pregnant, she made this post on her social media and in the post there's this video and off camera you hear someone asking her like hey what are you doing and you see her in on camera making a sandwich she is the approximately nine months pregnant according to my calculations based on the video and she says i'm doing what women should do i'm barefoot and pregnant and making my husband a sandwich for those who are wondering what the values are that uh candace said that we're straying away from those are the values the values that keep women barefoot and pregnant and making sandwiches for their husband while candace claims that this is not a personal attack on Cardi B. It's a little bit hard to think that that's actually the case because she said Cardi's music and her persona is not feminism, but rather it's cancerous to young women and black culture. She even said that there's not a single person that hopes that their daughter turns out like Cardi. And then she says it has to hit home for Cardi because Cardi has a young daughter. And she said, I hope it does. So basically she continually attacks Cardi. Cardi fired back and Candace claims... That the tweet was doctored and since it was doctored, which by the way, Cardi has removed it since then. But since it was doctored, it was slander and she's promising to show up in court and show us this knockdown drag out fight in court between she and Cardi. And this all stems to me, it seems, this all stems because they're on two opposite sides of the feminist movement. What do you think, Nicole? You know, I think that Candace Owens is like, you listen to her and you cringe, right? But Sometimes you listen to her and you're like, eh, she got a point with that one. You know, so everything she says isn't crazy extreme. So the comment about the Grammys, like, that's real talk. Like, you cannot, your kids should not be watching a WAP performance on the Grammys. I'm sorry. Like, that is not for your children to watch. Um, If Harrison were of age and he could stay up that late, I would not have him watch it. That's just me. I I just would not have him watch it. That's the kind of, uh, I don't want my child exposed to hypersexuality that early. And that's exactly what it is, is hypersexuality. I don't know if I would necessarily call it a part of the feminist movement. I think that people are trying to call it a part of the feminist movement, but their feminist movement is about equal rights, equal pay, equal justice for both men and women. We want to be seen um, as equal period. And I think that women express women's expression of their sexuality, they should be allowed to express themselves in a manner that men are allowed to express themselves. But we don't see men in little bitty speedos rolling around on the state of the Grammys either. So I think that 
feminism and sexuality are completely different. I think that people should be allowed to express themselves how they want to, but they can't get mad when people say, this is not something my children should be watching. And I don't want my children to be like that because I agree with that. Uh, I think that creatively, Cardi B is amazing. I like Cardi. I often listen to her when I'm pissed off and I'm riding to work. But at the same time, I mean, Candace Owens is a little bit right. I mean, I don't want, if I had a daughter, I wouldn't want her to be like Cardi B. I just wouldn't. But you also wouldn't want her to be like Candace Owens. No, I wouldn't want her to be like that either. No. Yeah. So here's the thing. I kind of take it from a little bit of a different perspective. I see the art in it, right? Like, do I think that it belongs on, you know, primetime television? Probably not, right? Like if I had a child, I think I would be a little bit more um, sensitive to that, but I don't. So when I saw it, which, I mean, it speaks to how desensitized we are to sex in this country. But when I saw it, I was like, Okay. I mean, it's a little bit more provocative than I'm used to, but did I think that it was super inappropriate? No, it didn't even dawn on me. It didn't register to me, but I'm also a very grown woman that has seen sex before. Right. So that's, that's a thing, but it did. I mean, as I was doing research for this episode, it did dawn on me. Like, what if I did have a seven, eight, nine, 10 year old daughter? then my thought process would be a little different. Like, I don't want to have to shield my child from primetime TV. But then I thought about this. If your children have access to YouTube, they can find much worse on YouTube than they can see on television. I'm just saying, Cardi and Meg were completely clothed. YouTube can give you some really interesting things. Instagram as well. Instagram, you know, tries to do a good job of shielding it, but... That's not always the case. But I think it's our job to shield our children, though. Like you have to, um, there are ways to make your devices like parent controlled. So, yeah, your kid can get to YouTube if you don't restrict it. But the point I think Candace was making was it's primetime television. It's the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Like you would think that this is like a a family, you know, TV show. It's a family oriented, you know, show that you should watch to celebrate the artistry and and when the artistry becomes porn then it's hard to allow your children to watch those things so yeah i think you can get a, a lot worse on the uh internet and on youtube as a you know one of the platforms but you can censor that you know should we have to censor our children from the grammys i believe is the point i don't think we should have to i mean that's basic cable I mean, should we have to censor you? It's not HBO or Showtime. Like maybe the Grammys should move to one of those like HBO Showtimes. And then they can put that disclaimer at the beginning of the Grammys, like warning. Right. <laughs> uh, parental control is advised. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will see extreme nudity, smoking and, you know, sexual content, strong sexual content. Like maybe that should be where the Grammys goes instead of like on one of these like random TV shows like, you know, NBC, ABC where your kids can just be flipping through and be like, oh, there's WAP. What's WAP stand for, mom? You know, like that kind of a conversation I don't want to have with a 10-year-old. Just saying. And Janine, you're also in the industry. Yeah. So you are going to be a little bit more desensitized to that because you are in the in the life of, um, you know, producing entertainment segments and things like that. So 
it's different for us common folk that are, you know, just driving around and we hear WAP and we're like, let's Google what that means. I mean, and it's, and your kids are singing it on the radio and stuff like that. I mean, it's, it is different. And I don't agree with Candace Owens and her extreme approach, but on this situation, this situation, I can see why she said that about the Grammys in particular. Here's, let let me say this. I think you're a hundred percent correct, but here's my thing on YouTube. WAP has had 369.3 million views. YouTube, YouTube. You're not about to tell me that none of these people were kids. And, and they and they could have been. But I think that, you know, I hate to say this, but we have children raising children now. We have children with less oversight in the home now. And we have a lot of parents that don't care or think that hypersexualizing their children being that, you know, oh, I'm going to make them Instagram models or I'm going to put them out there and I'm going to allow them wear makeup and heels is now going on at a much younger age than it was when we were that young. So, yeah, I think that there are some instances that there are children watching things that are still inappropriate for children. I'm just saying for my children, that should not happen. I would not allowingly um, let Harrison just sit there and watch WAP on YouTube. I would not. Yeah, but what about those those women who feel sexually repressed? They're not, you know, they're not young mothers, but they feel sexually repressed and they feel like, you know, there's some level of oppression in not being able to openly express your sexuality. And so they're okay with the performances like that. What about those? Which is fine. But that, like I said, that should be going on to HBO or Showtime or Cinemax or something like that, because everybody is not a 35 year old uh, woman that's okay with people twerking and 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 popping on the stage. I'm I'm just saying like mm-hmm. you have people that are 15 that are trying to find themselves that are watching that and thinking, "Hey, these people are getting attention. They're getting money. Hey, this is a way that I can do this." That's why everybody has an OnlyFans page. And then sexual oppression, like what is going on that you have to be, you know, sexually sexually liberated, meaning you have to put yourself out there on social media. So, just because you're not in a bathing suit on social media, that means you're sexually oppressed. I would disagree with that. Um, I think that then you get mad when people make comments, you know, people, you, you get true. mad when, you know, people want to come at you and then it's sexual harassment. Well, there's a fine line between those two things. We got to be careful. We do. I think that I lie somewhere in the middle, right? Like I think that while I probably am super desensitized to, you know, gyrating and being half naked on the stage because I see it so frequently and often, I don't necessarily agree that it needs to be on Front Street all the time, right? Like, I think there's a time and a place and appropriate um, platforms for those kinds of things to be uh, displayed. And I think that there's a, you know, I also don't want to be barefoot and pregnant and fixing my husband a sandwich in the kitchen. So I think that there's some like happy medium between the two, a happy medium that allows you to have some sort of like traditional or some sort of resemblance of being a traditional woman while still being possibly sexually liberated or just liberated, period. I don't think that feminism necessarily needs to be centered around our sexuality either, because there's so much more to it than having, you know, sexual freedoms. Yeah, I just do not think the two should mix. And on this like feminist movement, it's been like sexuality, body positivity and feminism all on this spectrum. And that is not at all what feminism is like. You can't 
expect people to respect your mind when you're displaying your body out like that because you know people are like oh well I should be able to display my body and you shouldn't be turned on by that like what world are you living in yeah like you cannot expect for people to not think sexual things when you put yourself out there sexually and then all of a sudden you're you're upset because somebody's made an inappropriate comment and you think that that's sexual harassment as women I think we need to take a step back and really figure out what exactly we want in it when it comes to this feminist movement because we're talking about equal rights and equal treatment but yeah we want body positivity and then we want to put our bodies out there and if men do the same thing then it's a problem like I don't understand because if you put your body out like that then a man should be able to put his body out like that but let's be clear men cannot <laughs> right put their bodies out like that and we're gonna have something to say because if that kind of Equal display was on the Grammys with a man popping his penis. We would have a problem with that. A hundred percent. I agree. A hundred percent. So we can't claim feminism and saying equal treatment and equal rights if if you would have a problem with the counter. I mean, people have a problem with it now, but women have such a voice that it's like, woe is me, you can't say anything about this. And that's a problem. It, it becomes a problem. We can't check ourselves. I agree. And I think that that's a big thing, though, right? Like we need to focus on what is the goal of the feminist movement? Are we trying to have equal rights and equal pay or are we trying to be able to walk around naked if we choose? What are our priorities? I think the message is getting lost because we've attached so many of these random things that we would like to add to the feminist movement. We've attached it to the feminist movement. And so it's kind of been watered down to what it is that Candace and uh, Cardi are arguing about whether you can bump cooches on the main stage at the Grammys. Like, and again, I don't think they're necessarily arguing like feminism. I think that one, I think we put our entertainers on a pedestal that they should not be on. Like they are entertainers. Their, their job is to entertain. So as long as we realize that that's their job, they have a role for doing their job. And these are not the people that we should be looking at as necessarily role models, not saying that they're not, but you should be a role model in your own household first so you can teach your children right from wrong and then allow these people to entertain because there is a place for for WAP and that is in my entanglement situation <laughs> I need that entertainment to make sure that I'm set up right okay right. but right. there may not be a role for it on primetime TV where children can see it there's a there's a difference there and I think that they're arguing because you got one extremist that you know I don't know if she's a she has to be a Kansas has to be a feminist no, she's, a, she, she's an anti-feminist. She says that she's She would not have the platform that she has if she were not a feminist. She she's is a self-proclaimed. I agree, but she's a self-proclaimed anti-feminist. She does not agree with the feminist movement. But if she were a step for housewife, she should sit down. She would not have the platform that she has. And just by being who she is, she is a feminist. She believes her voice is as equal to a man's voice. She's confused. Okay. She She's confused. I think that she is upset about how women are portrayed in the media, which to me is somewhat different than um, feminism versus anti-feminism. Although I could see how she says she's anti-feminist if she thinks that women should play a certain role. All right, Jenny. So let's talk through some situations, though. Okay. okay. Since we're talking about all this femininity and sexuality and anti-feminism, Let's talk about what our listeners want to talk about. 
And so I'll present the first, our first letter. Okay. And it says, Dear Nicole and Janine, I am stuck in a marriage that I never thought I would end up in. Let me start out by saying I believe myself to be a feminist, meaning that men and women should have equal rights, equal pay, and equal respect. However, now I realize that the institution of marriage is anti-feminist. My husband and I are both engineers. We both went to Purdue and graduated at the top of our class. He's a petroleum engineer and I'm a biomedical engineer. We've been married for five years now and marriage has been pretty supportive and a great partnership until we had our first child who is now one years old. When our son Max was born, I had complications requiring a C-section and prolonged hospitalization. Max was born six weeks early and stayed almost eight weeks in the NICU. My husband took off two weeks and then went back to work because he only had one week of paid paternity leave. Since my son got out of the NICU, we've been back and forth to various doctor's appointments, which means I've had to take off work. Now with the pandemic, I really don't want Max to go to daycare. So my husband suggested hiring a nanny. I was somewhat pissed by his suggestion because I don't want someone else raising our son. So the other solution was for me to either decrease my workload or quit my job. When I suggested that he quit his job to stay home, he said that wasn't an option. Up until then, I thought we were partners. Now I realize I'm in an anti-feminist marriage And I don't like that I have to choose between taking care of my son and my career. What should I do? Yikes. Okay, so let me break this letter down. She said that she believes that marriage is an anti-feminist institution. I have a very difficult time with that particular statement in and of itself because I am a firm believer that your marriage should look like what you want it to look like. And while... Traditionally, marriage might have been an anti-feminist institution. I think that we all are at a point now where we understand that what traditional marriage looks like does not work for most people. So if you feel like you're in an anti-feminist marriage, that's how you have allowed your marriage to be, which makes me believe that there were some signs and indications of this prior to you finding yourself in this particular situation. I think that long ago, there should have probably been some sort of conversation between you and your husband as to what would happen if you never told us who makes more money in the house or who we don't know the logic or rationale behind why your husband is saying that's not an option for him not to go to work. We don't know any of that. All we know is that your husband is saying that's not an option. If he makes twice as much money as you, then that seems like a more logical explanation, right? You're both engineers. I don't know what that looks like because I'm not in that field, but it might make sense. But let me take it from a very different perspective of not money or logic or any of that, right? From my experience, and I'm not going to say this is scientific. I'm not going to say that it is based in any sort of fact, but from my experience, Men are not as nurturing as women. And while we would like to have equal rights and you would like to probably go to work, there are options here. You have options. Your husband did not suggest that you quit your job. Your husband suggested that you all hire a nanny. It's based on your comfortability that you don't want to hire a nanny because you don't want someone else raising your child. So then you have options and your options are you can quit your job and stay home and cut your hours back or whatever it may be, or you can have a nanny. Your husband has provided you with some with some alternative to quitting your job. It's just not him quitting his job. I think your husband is kind of giving you a compromise. Maybe you have some hard decisions to make, but I don't think that he's an anti-feminist. That's not what I'm thinking because he did not say, hey, quit your job. He said, hey, why don't we hire a nanny? 
And the other thing from based on my experience is men don't do well when they don't work. Oftentimes, a lot of a man's self-esteem, self-worth is tied up in what their careers are. Is it healthy, unhealthy? That's a different conversation. But what I do think, though, is do you really want a stay-at-home husband who doesn't want to be a stay-at-home husband who's not working and probably going to be resentful? Probably not. I don't think this is anti-feminist. I think your husband's being very logical. He doesn't want to stay home. He doesn't say, he's not saying that you have to stay home. He's saying that he's just not willing to stay home. I don't think it's anti-feminist. What do you think, Nicole? I think that I think she needs to maybe check and reevaluate how she's feeling about this. I don't think that this is an anti-feminist husband or relationship. I just think that she wants her cake and wants to be able to eat it, too. I think that in a marriage, there are roles that have to be played. And I know that people are like, oh, well, Nicole, I've heard you say that before. Like your man takes out the trash. You don't touch trash. You are right. And that's because we have defined not necessarily gender roles, but our roles in that marriage. And whether that follows traditional gender roles or not, that's how we, that's how we roll with it. And I think that in a marriage, you have to realize like, how are you, what roles are you going to play? Like, is it going to be traditional social norm roles where the man takes out the trash and mows the lawn and the woman is the person that's doing all the rearing or not? And it seems like for her, they've been somewhat equal, right? They graduated together. They're both engineers. But then the split happened whenever you had to play a gender role, right? He can't carry the child. He could not have the complications of the C-section. So you had to pivot and play this gender role because there's no way he could pick up that slack. It's not his fault he only took off two weeks. He went a week without pay. He only got one week. That's something we should be lobbying for. Hey, the man should get six weeks of leave just like the woman gets six weeks of leave. Well, now we're lobbying for them to actually get a whole year of paid uh, maternity leave. They should get a year of paid maternity leave. But guess what? We're not there yet. So you bringing it up makes me seem like, oh, you are like, has some type of disdain because he only took off two weeks and you were, you know, off eight weeks. Well, that's all he could take off. I mean, he didn't get paid. You probably got paid maternity leave. He only got one week. So let's start there. And then two, you you have to figure out what roles you're going to play. And if he's saying he's not going to play the nurturing role, you can't get mad because you don't want to play that role either, really. <laughs> So you don't want to stay at home. So you can't expect for him to want to stay at home. And if he suggests a solution where both of you can work full time, then you should take that solution. You can't have it your way. This is not Burger King. You can't be this nurturing mom and work full time and expect for things to just go, you know, peachy, be peachy for you. That's not how it works. Something has to give. Either your work is going to suffer, your home is going to suffer, or if you're suggesting that both of y'all work part-time, we got to think about that because then you're now going to see each other, right? Y'all going to be working split hours. You're both going to be working part-time. You're still going to have a nanny anyway because there's going to be some overlap there. And then you don't have any full-time benefits. Like, let's be clear. You need to work full-time to get full-time benefits. The other option is that you can stop working and you can start your own engineering firm. You could do that. And that way you have people working underneath you, but you're still going to end up working and you're still going to need a nanny at some point or at least a sitter to come in temporarily. So in this point, I think that we're not thinking clearly here. This is, yes, gender roles do exist once you get children. Somebody has to play caregiver. But if your husband, who's a petroleum engineer, who's making more money than you as a biomedical engineer, because I did look up the difference in salaries. 
Oh, so he does make more money? Oh, yeah. Petroleum engineers are like one of the top paid engineers. So then why are we, what is the conversation even about? The conversation is about she doesn't think that she should have to stay at home. He should, he should have suggested that he stay at home too. Just like she is trying to figure out like, oh, do I have to cut down my hours or quit my job to make sure I'm there for my child? Well, if he's making more money, even if he wasn't, like it, if you're saying that you're a feminist, you should think that you guys have the same options. So you shouldn't want him to sit down if you don't want to sit down. Like that is a, that, that's a thing. I like agree. he should be able to do what he wants to do too. Mm-hmm. So because he wants to work and you want to work, the solution is to hire somebody to come in and help you guys. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like there might be some confusion here and maybe there's some resentment. I don't know. I have no idea, but it seems like this conversation would have been had prior to pregnancy, prior to marriage, even like when we have kids, who's going to raise said kids. Right. But I do think that Johnny, once you have them, it is a lot different Really, because having, before I had Harrison, it wasn't like I thought, oh, we're going to bring in a full-time nanny and I'm going to have to either hire somebody full-time or bring my mom in. I thought, oh, well, we're going to co, you know, co-parent and James has a much flexible job than I have. So he will be able to spend more time with Harrison than I would. I mean, literally we talked about that because mm-hmm. his hours are not like eight to five hours and the reality sets in and you realize like kids take up a lot of time and you cannot do anything when your child is running around. So like when we had the other, like when we first started off, we talked about another friend being on the podcast. Mm -hmm. She has four children. Like she was like, I cannot do that. If my mom was not here full time watching Harrison right now, I would not be able to talk to you right now because he's up and out and about. And even with James, this is this. We have unexpected events that come up. Right. He has seminars he has to give he that weren't on his schedule last week. So you do have to have support there to be able to do the things that you want to do. And if she doesn't have family support, then the next, because that's the solution to making sure your family can step in and support. But the next solution will be hiring a nanny or something has to give. One of you guys are going to have to sit back and take a backseat to that child. Because guess what? The child runs everything. Our life runs around that child. Period. If he gets sick, time stops. We go to him. I call off work. We we do what we need to do right. to make sure he's okay. And you, there's not a lot of like talking through those situations you can do. You can talk about who's going to, if somebody's going to stay at home or not before you get married. But if the conversation is like, hey, you know, we're going to still work and we're going to work it out. We're going to figure it out. Well, let me tell you something. When it happens... It changes things. You don't have as much time in the day. And when you come home and I'm somebody that would work all day, I'll finish my charting. I come home and I'm doing all these other things and I can't do those things anymore. Like Mm -hmm. when he's awake, it's shut down. Yeah, but I just feel like there is a conversation to be had as to who if someone has to quit their job, who is it going to be? Yeah, they should have had that conversation like, hey, are we going to hire? How are we going to care for the child? Right. They should have had that conversation. And I don't think that it's fair to her husband to put him in a situation now to say, well, it's your fault. I don't think that the blame I don't think that the blame game is is productive in this situation because one, we didn't expect there to be a pandemic. That's number one. And then number two, it's, you know, we who would expect that we would be this concerned? I mean, obviously, you're concerned about who watches your kids, but you you know, you that's an added layer of concern now. So I don't think that it's fair 
I don't think that it's fair. I think that your husband has given you some options. I say that you weigh your options and stop trying to blame it on the fact that you're in an anti-feminist union because I don't think that that's the case. Okay, so I have another letter and it goes like this. Hi there, Sherelle here. I just got out of a three-year-long relationship a couple of months ago. Since then, I've slept with six men. I am an extremely sexual person. I have needs, you know. I'm writing because of the image that comes along with fulfilling my needs. I love having sex and want to continue having sex without attachment, but I'm afraid that my friends, family, and future husband will think that I'm promiscuous. I feel like there is such a double standard with men and women. My ex had had 55 partners before me, but I feel like when men have multiple partners, they're considered the man. But when women have multiple partners, they're considered a slut. I'm 43 years old and I'm sick of feeling conflicted about how I want to be perceived. I want to have sex and get my needs met and I want to be respected as well. Please help. Okay, let me recap. So she's 43. She wants to have sex when she wants to have sex because she has needs. Am I being clear? Am I clear about that? You're clear. She just got out of a relationship. Uh, It was three years long. She just got out of a relationship and she has had sex with now six men. Okay. uh, hmm. So let me tell you something, girl. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. If you start sleeping around like that, you're going to be perceived as a hoe. Okay. You, and and there's something to be said about the body count, right? Like some people even go back and have sex with an ex not to increase the body count. Um, (laughs) I'm not saying go do that, but I am saying that if you sleep around and people know you sleep around, you can't get mad if people think that you're a little promiscuous because that's the definition. (laughs) You're sleeping around with every time Dick and Harry. And it's not that we, I have called numerous men hoes. So it's not, I, I, I am in, I equally call people hoes. Okay. So it's not like, oh, you're a woman. So you're a hoe because you slept with six men since you got out of your relationship. Or if you are a man and you're sleeping with six women after you got out of a relationship because you have needs, then you're a hoe too. Because why can't you like meet somebody and sleep with one person? Like, why do you have to sleep with six of them? I'm not saying that you shouldn't have your, your needs met, but you got to be a little bit more selective with your China. Because what happens if you slip up and you get pregnant by one of these Tom, Dick, or Harry's? What happens then? Or what happens if you get an STD? And I, I find that, and I'm not saying that everything is over alcohol, but you can get lost in the sauce if you have a couple of drinks and you're not being as safe as you want to be. And then you're sitting here upset when you get pregnant or when you get AIDS. Friend to friend, you need to slow down. You can choose one and have a friend with benefits, but you can't just keep on adding body counts and then expect for people to respect you when you meet them and you go home and sleep with them. I mean, what do you expect? That's my two cents, girl. But you know, I'm conservative when it comes to that kind of stuff. But I just don't think you should just be out here, you know, putting yourself out there just because you got needs. Get you a vibrator and slow the body count down. Slow it down. I don't care if you have a penis or a vagina or how you identify. If you are sleeping with a lot of people, you are out here, right? And I am with you, Nicole, on the, hey, we need to be a little bit more selective with our vagina. Why don't we keep the circle a little bit tighter? That's all I'm saying. Just a little bit tighter. But I'm going to give you a but. If for whatever reason, you cannot keep your circle tighter, there could be a sex addiction situation here. We don't know. It could, it might not be. But if you're not able to slow this body count down, I think that there's one way that you can solve this. Keep your mouth shut. Don't right, say anything. Just shut up. If you sleep with six men, if you sleep with 60 men, if you sleep with one man, keep it to yourself. 
keep your body count to yourself, you're concerned about your friends, your family, and your future husband. Well, unless the people involved are your friends, your family, or your future husband, why do they need to know? If this is something that you are experiencing and you feel that you absolutely have to have, and as Nicole said, vibrators are not working for you, why are we sharing that we are having sex with so many people? I'm just curious. I don't necessarily see a benefit in sharing that information. Yeah, I wouldn't share. I, I mean, who, who has to know? And, and I hope that you're not careless enough to have sex in the same circle. So if you meet somebody at a bar, he's with a group of his friends, you sleep with him and then you go back the next weekend and you may take home another friend. Like, I hope you're not that careless. At 43, we hope not. We would hope not. But at 43, I don't expect for you to have sex with six people. Like right after you break up out of a three-year relationship, I understand that you're probably angry because that relationship didn't work. And you may, you know, you may be getting your frustrations out by just sleeping with men. But again, I'm just thinking from an OB perspective, like an OBGYN perspective, like how dangerous that is and how I'm treating STDs and how people are finding out when they're pregnant, they have AIDS. Like that's a real thing. So I would just slow the body count down. And, and again, you don't have to tell anybody. So just don't have sex with people in the same circles and make sure you're safe and don't tell anybody. I agree. Because here's the thing. You just assume that men are going to lie on their dick anyway, right? So your body count sounds higher than it really is to begin with, because that's what I should not make that assumption because not all men do, but it's happened, right? So from from Janine's experience, men do that. So your body count is already going to seem higher than it actually is. Don't add to that. And I'm not saying don't add to it and don't fulfill your needs because you said you have needs. If this is how you would like to continue to live your life, there are two things that I want you to do. Number one, I want you to make sure that you are using protection because STDs are real live and babies are even realer. Like my mom used to tell me, don't bring home nothing you didn't leave the house with. You don't want to bring home an STD or a baby that you did not expect and or want, right? So that's number one, protect yourself. And number two, keep your body count to yourself. We appreciate you sharing it with us, but do not share with everyone else that you are sleeping with so many people. Just don't share it. If you're concerned about what people are thinking, and they're thinking, you know, they're perceiving you as being promiscuous. They can't make an assessment on something they don't know. All right, Jenny, what did you learn new this week? Okay, so obviously not all women are feminists, right? So we kind of knew that. But I just went, wanted to look up some statistics about what the feminist movement actually looks like and, you know, what the makeup of the feminist movement is. So according to the Pew Research Center, they did a study last July and they say that only 61% of women would consider themselves feminists. And something else that I found interesting is that age, political affiliation, and the level of education directly correlate with women associating themselves with being a feminist or not. And people don't necessarily perceive the feminist movement as positive. So as you could imagine, only 22% of men consider the feminist movement a positive movement. And only 34% of African-Americans consider the feminist movement positive. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, but I think that's, again, because they're confusing the feminist movement with like all this other stuff that's going on that's sort of like diminishing the importance of equal rights for women and equal pay because they're confusing it with this hypersexuality stuff and like all of these like gender roles, like they're confusing everything. So I wish everybody would just go back to the drawing table and say, hey, 
Do you wish that your wife was paid for what she did equally to her coworker? Do you think that your wife has the right to say what she wants to say in public? I mean, let's go back to like breaking it down and being very simple. And I think that if we did that, then there would be a lot more men and a lot more African-Americans that would actually agree with the movement, but that's what happens sometimes. The Everything gets clouded and fuzzy and people don't really know what it is. That's true. Because we add on Grammy performances and we add on being able yep. to be sexual and we add on all of these other things. And really, that's not the focus of the that's feminist movement. That's not it. All right. So what I learned new was that there are um, some self-proclaimed men who are feminists. And I was excited about the list. There are 27. And out of that list, five of them are African-American that made this like top 27 list. So the first person who is like obvious, we can probably guess would be John Legend, who is definitely a self-proclaimed feminist. Um, And then there's Will Smith, of course, everything that he does with Willow. Obviously, that's very out there as him being a self-proclaimed feminist. But I didn't realize that Forrest Whitaker was a self-proclaimed feminist. He's done a lot with the he for she movement. Um, so I'm so I'm so proud of Forrest. I'm like, look at him. I know, right? And then there's Blair Underwood is a self-proclaimed feminist as well. As many times as he's played a man that beats a woman in a movie. I was about hey, to say. Hey, who knew? Who knew that he's a feminist? And then um, Harry Belafonte is also a self-proclaimed feminist. So those were our top five. Yes. Now, this is not African-American, man, but uh, I did think it was interesting that the person who made the top 10 list in 2019 was Andrew Como. Oh. Uh-huh. And he was talking about some Trump women that uh, were attacking Trump, saying that Trump, you know, had said some inappropriate things and were accusing Trump of sexual harassment. He was saying that these women have the right to speak their minds and that Donald Trump should be stepped down as president because of those things. Well, fast forward. I'm just. Yikes. I I just. But again, I don't. The stuff that Andrew Cuomo is going through. I don't know. I I just I'm not a believer. I I think that sometimes we are um, somebody can uh, misconstrue information and. I think that he's caught up in that world. Looking at what I see on TV, obviously I'm not those women. I'm not there. I like Andrew Cuomo, but I I think that he's going through some things and the investigation will tell soon. Yeah. But how do you go from being a top 10 feminist to being the, being the target of a, a me too movement? Yikes. I know. Just bad look, just an awful look. Yeah, it is. But we we hope mm-hmm. that everyone involved finds peace in whatever the outcome may be, because that's all we can hope right. for. Because you don't know, we we weren't there. We don't know what happened, right? So, but that's actually really interesting. And I'm here for the male feminist. I really am. I think that's dope. Yes. All right. So our motivational moment for the week comes from Viola Davis, who said. Do not live someone else's life and someone else's idea of what womanhood is. Womanhood is you. So live how you want to live and play roles that you want to play. It is your journey. You choose the destination. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And show off your melanated excellence. Bye. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep BWC. Oh, That's Deep Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. 
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 